If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek. Did you know that recent studies are showing that up to two in three dogs and cats are obese? That's like over 60% are obese, fat, too big, heavy, weighing a lot more than they should be weighing. In fact, some Banfield Pet Research recently revealed that overweight and obese dogs and cats in the United States has increased 160 to 170% in the last few years. It's, it's flat out reaching epidemic status. And it's not only costing pet parents like us lots of money, it's frankly costing our fur kids their lives. Just like in human, too much weight creates a whole slew of comorbidities that put your healths, the health of your pets at risk. So on today's show, very important stuff that we're going to be digging into. We're going to talk about pet, pet obesity, how to identify it, how to reverse it, and how you can help prevent it in the first place. So to start us off, we have an incredible guest. I'm really excited about it. Dr. Deborah Linder, the head of Tufts Obesity Clinic for Animals. Welcome to the show, Dr. Linder. Hi, so great to be here. All right, I'd like to start off, if you can talk first about how you, in particular, started working with obese pets and making that your focus. Sure. Um, I actually love working in obesity because it's the one area that we can not only treat, but we can also prevent too. Um, so it's really nice. A lot of times what we're doing in medicine is, you know, doing our best, trying to add a little quality of life. Um, but this is one disease that we can really stamp out if we do mm -hmm. it the right way. So that's why I love talking about this. And I love pet owners to be as informed and possible, as informed as possible, uh, so they can do the best for their pets and they can lead longer, happier lives. Yeah. And I was mentioning to you before, just before we started this interview, I mean, it's a big thing in human lives too. Uh, frankly, it's not just a pet obesity epidemic that we have here in the United States. It's, it's everybody's too fat. Uh, and I know from myself, having lost a bunch of weight recently, what an amazing difference it's made in all of my life. And a lot of those things that my doctor were saying, hey, this is going to kill you. They're no longer on the table for me. I'm, I've got a, a long look ahead of me now that I'm really excited about. Same for our pets. So I want you to tell us about, you know, what specifically are you guys working on at Tufts Obesity Clinic that's really exciting that people need to know about? Yeah, a few different things we're working on. Um, one is just making sure that pet owners are as informed as possible. Um, so we actually have a website, petfoodology.org, where you can go on there and find out anything you want about pet nutrition, how many calories your pet should get per day, you know, how do you how do you feel your pet to figure out if they are overweight? What are the first steps? Um, what pet food should you get? All things like that, um, which is great. Um, but then we also really like to do research too um, to make sure that you know we're on the cutting edge of things like that. So a lot of the work I'm doing is looking at what's the relationship between people and their pets and how does that play into whether the pet becomes overweight and how we can best treat that. So a lot of, a lot of interesting things uh, that we're looking at here. Well, let's 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 kind of 
pull that all apart. So let's start first with you mentioned first, let's identify that, hey, this is a problem with my pet or not. I mean, a lot of us, we can mm-hmm. certainly look at the fat cat and go, oh, my God, that cat is fat. But then the, yeah. there's a difference between those cats and those dogs that are clearly uh, pudges and those that are, yeah, they're really overweight. And, and I think we make a lot of excuses for our pets, much like we do ourselves. But what are those ways that we can tell, nope, your, your pet is overweight? You're right. It is really challenging, especially with different breeds of cats or dogs. Some can be very, very fluffy. And so um, I hear that a lot. Oh, no, he's just big boned or that's just all fur. Um, So the best way to do it is we we call it the feel test. Um, So you have to feel over your pet's ribs. Um, And the trick is to figure out how much fat is there um, right next to your pet's rib cage, right on their side. Um, And the best way to figure that out, whether your pet is that healthy trim weight or not, is feel over the back of your hand. Um, And there should be no more fat padding on your pet's ribs than there is on the back of your hand. So that's what an ideal pet should feel like. And that's, you know, getting below the fur and (laughs) really feeling, not pressing too hard, just lightly running your hand over their ribs. That's exactly what a thin pet should feel like. If it's more than that, uh, definitely time to talk to your veterinarian. Yeah. And and I know that for for me, I I look at, you know, the same as with humans, they say, if you're this tall, you should be between this weight and this weight. And, Mm. and and that doesn't mean a lot. I know for humans, because you can have somebody who's an, an athlete, and technically on those charts, they're overweight. So is there something to be said about how active your dog is, or or not, and and whether or not you're going to be able to feel that same thing? Or is it just going to be a rule of thumb, it's always going to be like that? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, because breeds come in such different shapes and sizes, activity levels mean that pets need all different types of calorie amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, the, instead of having you know, a set, this is what your pet should weigh, we focus on that body condition. And the best way to do that is feeling the actual fat pads. Okay, so itself. but activity is great for them, right? Well, and clearly, I mean, we have two incredibly active dogs uh, in, in our house, mm-hmm. which is great. I have friends and family who have very inactive dogs, and and um, it, so yeah. there's a, there's a different caloric need. But if you look at the back of your the dog's bag of food, it's like mm. generic. So how how do I, as a parent, pet parent, go? Okay, how much am I really supposed to be feeding them? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, for the two things about the back of the bag, one is it's a big range and it's assuming your pet is very active. Um, so I always say start on the lower end of that feeding range that they recommend, but also you should be doing it based on the weight that your pet should be, not necessarily on the weight that they are if they're mm. already overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be a little tricky. If you're wondering how many calories your specific pet should get, um, that's another thing actually that we have on our website too, where you can say, this is how much my pet weighs, this is how much they should weigh, and it'll say, this is how many calories they should get per day. So how do you um, calculate in things like treats? Because I, I look at the, the, the bag or, you know, if I'm feeding raw or whatever, I'm, I'm weighing it. Um, but then there's, then there's the treats throughout the day, which is part of life as it should be. Do you then need to subtract what those treats are going to be or how do you how do you manage that? Yes, that's exactly that's probably why your pets are trim because you you're already thinking about do I subtract those calories or not? Uh, yes, we say you know of the total calories your pet gets per day, um, there should be a treat allowance of up to ten percent, and I actually like that. I think it's good to add variety um, and let you know pets have a little special time with you, but keep it in check. Um, mm-hmm. So if your pet you know for example the average cat needs maybe 
200-250 calories a day, um, they should be getting no more than 25 calories in treats per day. Yeah, and I wonder too about, I mean, and we talk a lot on the show about automatic feeders and the treat dispensers and things mm-hmm. like that. I think that those can be both a, a blessing and a curse. Partic- the ones that could be a blessing, I think, that are exciting, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about them, are the ones that actually are helping you dole out the exact amount and are tracking mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. Have you guys done any work looking at those and their effectiveness? Um, that's something I recommend a lot to my clients. Um, not necessarily the ones where, you know, the food is available all the time, um, but there are rotating ones mm-hmm. where you measure it out. And then, you know, especially for those cats that bug you at 2, 3, 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. in the morning, um, <laughs> if, you pet, if you set the timer on that feeder, and so they will get exactly one third of a cup of food at 5 a.m., you'll be surprised. They will leave you alone and start scratching the feeder at 4.45 in the morning. Yeah, um, exactly. So that's a trick that we use very commonly to get rid of begging and seeing the people as the source of food, and it should be the, the machine instead. Okay, so now I want to get like a little bit of tough love because uh, I have some listeners who, and I, I won't call them out by name, but I'm going to email them and say they have to listen to this so they'll, they'll know I'm calling them out right now. Yeah. Um, those that say, oh, come on, it's just a little bit extra fat. They, 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 are, they don't get a long life anyway. I want them to enjoy it. What's it going to hurt? What is it going to hurt? Like, what are these comorbidities that we're talking about in, in dogs and cats? Oh, yeah, it's so challenging. Um, They can get so many of the same diseases that we get. In the different literature reviews out there, there's not one body system that is not impacted by extra weight. Um, In cats, most commonly, we see diabetes um, come up very commonly. In dogs, joint issues. Um, It's really painful for them. We even have a study that says if you keep them trim, they actually live two years longer on Mm -hmm. average. That's amazing that we can get more years of their life with them. And that we also have studies saying when they lose the weight, their quality of life improves. Um, You know, I personally have clients saying, you know, we have to build fences now. We didn't even know our dog could jump like that. (laughs) He's like a puppy again, Um, just because they're getting the weight off. They don't, because it kind of slowly adds on all the time. You don't really realize what an awful impact that's having on your pet until you start to reverse it. I I totally, and I'm thinking of some specific animals that are in my extended life that, you know, the the pet parents like, oh, they just lay around and sleep all day. They don't do anything. And that's why they're fat. And I'm thinking, well, I think that they're maybe laying around and sleeping all day and don't do anything because they're fat. Uh, Because (laughs) I know for myself, I've been obese and it's, I had no energy at all. And the more weight I lost, the more I'm like, hey, let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike. I'm excited. I'm, I'm more energetic. So why wouldn't they be? Yeah, I do like to dispel the myth um, that, you know, walking your pet is going to be the magic trick that gets them to lose all those pounds. Um, Because just like us, you know, the walk to the mailbox or the sniff walk around the block is not going to burn off the thousand calories of a bone you just gave them. (laughs) So unless they're running, you know, 5Ks with you, um, I do think it's really important to keep them active just because that's it's really helpful for their mind. It keeps their bodies active and their minds active, but it really comes down to calories at the end of the day if we want to watch their weight. Fantastic. This is all really great stuff. I would love it if you could outline exactly where people can go and maybe the, the, the important tools that they should look for first on your website. Definitely. Um, So running the obesity clinic here at Tufts, um, one of the things we really like to do is get as much just starter information out there (laughs) for people. Um, So the best place to start with is Pet Foodology. 
org. Um, and any questions you could have, even if you're confused about that field test, like how exactly do I know if my pet's overweight, we have a video on there <laughs> that can help oh, walk you through it. Um, we also have things to think about, you know, how do I know how many calories my pet needs per day? What should I do if my pet is overweight? Um, tips for, you know, best thing to do is start getting a good diet history. Just write down everything you feed your pet, and then you can talk to your veterinarian about where should you start making <laughs> cuts or changes from there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Dr. Lender. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, stay tuned, pet lovers. We're going to talk more today uh, about how to keep your pets svelte and healthy. And I tell you what, while you're waiting for these commercials to play, why don't you and your dog run around and place in the room for a few minutes? You know, burn off a few of those calories that you just had from those treats that you're taking while you're listening to this show. You're listening to Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. We just finished chatting with Dr. Deborah Linder about how you can identify pet obesity in our furry friends. And now we're going to be joined by Dr. Ernie Ward. He's a very well-known veterinarian. You've probably heard him and seen him. And he's also the founder of the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. And he's going to talk to us about the weight loss programs and the work that his group is doing to help pet parents combat pet obesity. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek, Dr. Ward. 
Oh, welcome. I, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And as I told you, I'm slightly obsessed about the, some of the stuff that you're doing on the website, which we'll get to in just a minute. Um, but I want to f- start first about why did you find the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention? Yeah, you know, that's a great question and a good starting point. I, I did it because there wasn't anything like it, quite frankly. So in 2005, you know, after many years of sort of complaining and whining within the industry and, and my colleagues, you know, about, you know, prevalence data and awareness issues. Uh, basically, I took the challenge. Uh, he was uh, uh, later president of the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, uh, a professor down at University of Georgia, Steve Lutz, uh, Butzberg, who's a very dear friend of mine, uh, an important mentor in my life. And he, he was like, Ernie, why don't you quit talking about it and do something about do it? Do something so about that it, yeah. Actually, that's, that's actually what led to it. And, and so in 2005, I founded the uh, the organization, you know, we were really fortunate to have a great initial board of people who were just as enthusiastic and passionate about it. And really, our goal was simple to one, measure the prevalence uh, of pet obesity in the United States. Number two, to raise awareness around the issues of obesity. So that's, that's really what we've tried to do. Yeah, and I, I have to tell you, so I, I, I was totally geeking out on just just some of the the graphics, the infographics that you have on some of the statistics that you've come up with over the years. And what just strikes me is this discrepancy between what you know the average pet parent thinks and what veterinary science thinks uh, about what's healthy, what's not healthy, what should we be doing, what should not doing. And I would love if we could dig in to a, a few of those misconceptions that are out there that are actually making pets more obese. So let's let's start off first with one of the questions that you asked um, pet parents in some recent surveys was, do you think corn is healthy for dogs? And 6% said, no, yeah, it's healthy for dogs. But everybody else is like, no, 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 corn isn't healthy for dogs. But that's not at all what veterinaries, uh, professionals think. And why is there that huge discrepancy? Right. And it's a great starting point for that discussion of myths and misperceptions. So before I answer any of these types of questions, it's important that people listening today understand that nutrition is perhaps the most inexact science that we have because there's so many variables involved, so much individual variation based on your genetics, mm-hmm. your individual metabolism. Heck, even the, the bacteria present in your GI tract all influence your nutritional needs. So when we talk about nutrition in general, remember it's an individual issue, not just one that lends itself to these are the rules. You know, you need this much protein and this much fiber. It's just not that simple. And so the the issue around corn has been confusing for many years. And, And really, if you look at the digestibility of corn in dogs and cats, the science, the evidence is clear. Dogs and cats can metabolize corn. Mm-hmm. What the misperception is, is that ideal? Is that healthy? Is that a good thing? Um, and that's where you get the mixed messages because clearly some of the pet food manufacturers have vilified corn in the public arena. And mm-hmm. that's why you see the vast majority of pet owners go, no, corn is terrible. It's bad. It's whatever. But yet veterinarians are reading the scientific literature, and they're saying, well, I don't understand how it's bad if it's digestible. And my answer to this is one of the reasons that we dug into that question this past uh, survey, and we have some even more interesting data coming out later this year, but 
we wanted to discover, okay, where are the pain points between pet owners and veterinarians? And mm-hmm. then how can I help the veterinary profession overcome that? So here's one that's clearly identified. Corn is viewed by many pet owners as bad. If we want to overcome that for whatever reason, we need to address corn specifically. And getting back to that, is it good or bad for your individual pet? It depends, right? I mean, there are some dogs that do really well on corn-based, grain-based diet, and there are others that it's a complete dietary disaster. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is where you have to listen to your body. You have to sort of pay attention to your own food beliefs and nutritional philosophy. And so the issue wasn't for me or our organization to say that corn was good or bad. We just identified that there's a discordant response or opinion on that. So, again, I would say to you, if you're listening and you say corn is good or corn is bad, don't stop there. Have the conversation with your veterinarian and say, is corn good or bad for my pet's specific need? That's mm-hmm. really the question that you need to be asking. We're just trying to better articulate messages for our profession. This is one we need to do a better job with. Right. And I think, and you know, it, and first of all, it's kind of like some people are lactose intolerant and some people are not, <laughs> you know, so it's right, every, right. every one of us are different. But I think it's really key that people not be so willing to swallow the Kool-Aid of the marketing that's out there. Because like you said, if it makes sense for my business to vilify corn, I'm going to vilify corn. But it doesn't mean that it's right. it's really should be the villain. So it's about listening to your veterinarians and working with them and as a team and everything like that. I'd like for you, the, the one of the things that came up in one of the infographics that you have on the site is about a study um, that was done um, by the AVMA in 2005 about these two ways of feeding. So one group of Labradors was fed normal amounts or, you know, what's on the back of the bag, you know, range. And then the other group was fed fewer calories. Can you talk a little, because this, the findings of this were, were, I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense at all. It, re- it really is. It's one of the foundational studies when it comes to longevity comorbidities or diseases associated with excess feeding or weight. And so this was funded by Purina. And so this is often referred to as the Purina Lifetime Study. But again, you know, they just were the ones who had the resources and the ability to do the study. So they basically took two colonies of Labradors. It is, it's a very elegant scientific study, really, really well planned. I've just one again, the foundational benchmark studies. And so they you know, these were dogs that were from similar litters. They have lots of genetics uh, similar. So they crossed, you know, so one group was fed, as you said, a normal amount of calories or what they wanted to, you know, the, the normal amount they wanted to eat. The other was just fed 25% less of whatever that was. And basically they wanted to see at the end of the day, did they live longer? Did they get more diseases? And wow, the, the, the results were staggering. In fact, the one I always like to tell people is that, you know, when, uh, when you look at, when all of the normal fed dogs were dead, okay, so there's two groups of, of 24 dogs. <laughs> when all of the control group are dead, nine of the 24 dogs fed less food were still alive. Yeah. And that is shocking if you think about it. So, so almost half of the dogs who were fed 25% fewer calories were still living you know, had fewer diseases and pain and so forth, the quality of life was higher when all the other dogs are dead. And that was, that was one of those things that you had to tease out of the data. And in fact, if you look at 
13 years old. So if you look at, at Labrador retrievers who made it to the age 13, which is quite remarkable in and of mm-hmm. itself. I mean, mm-hmm. most labs you know, are going to dive between 10 and 12. We want them to be 14 or 15, but that's just the reality. So only 4% of the control hogs were alive, and yet half of the dogs fed a little less were still alive and thriving. So again, this study is amazing. Now, the, the interesting thing about this study is several years later, in fact, I think it was about four or five years later, another pet food company called Waltham, which is part of Mars, mm-hmm. which makes pedigree and neutro and all those other types of foods. Um, Royal Canin is part of that group. They duplicated the study and found almost identical results. So the net, net result that we tell people is that, you know what, dogs, if they're fed a little less, kept lean, you know, don't, they're not allowed to become overweight or don't develop obesity, they're going to live two to two and a half years longer. But again, more importantly to me isn't just how much longer they live, but that they live with less osteoarthritis, mm-hmm. less cancer, higher quality of life. Really yeah. important. I think it's fascinating. And, and, and as you mentioned, you've got, you've got newer studies that are going to be coming out uh, in, in the next few months, and, and we're definitely going to be looking at that, and we'll share, share about those things. But just in general, I mean, we don't have that much time left, but just in general, when people are looking at, at obesity or whether or not their dog is, is going to be too overweight, or what, what's the core that they should be taking away? Because at the end of the day, food is love with animals. We know this. Our dogs and our cats both they look to us as like the, the food is the wonderful part that we give them all the time. And they lo- that's clearly part of the bonding. So how, how do you work with pet parents to help them understand that, that, that this can actually be harmful to let them get this big? Right. And first of all, I would say we've misinterpreted the dog and cat language because right there we've said food is love. Mm-hmm. And actually the dogs and cats, our interaction, our affection, our time is love. So what they're actually seeking is mom and dad the pet parents, to do stuff with them. Mm-hmm. When we don't give them our time to take them on a walk or go play, I mean, all those things that are built in with guilt, because we know that we should be doing that, that's when we reimagine this as food, as love. So mm-hmm. we take the easy route out. We give them a dog <laughs> bone or some treats or whatever. Yep. But really what animals are seeking is us. And so that's why I always say, every time you feel the need to reach for a dog bone, ask yourself, could I or should I have played or taken for a walk or just petted? That's really what they're, what they're desperately craving. Yeah, definitely. Go out and get, burn some calories instead of giving some calories, and they'll, they'll probably love you more. It just takes a couple of minutes. Honestly, yeah. you know, it's, it, but it's that, it's that mindset of saying, and what am I actually substituting here? And again, I always say replace confection with your affection and that's really the secret to a great relationship i love that tell people where they can uh find out more about your organization yeah definitely i mean we're a 501c3 we don't have any corporate sponsors there's no pet food companies involved we're the only neutral independent agency like this uh petobesityprevention.org uh definitely check it out if you're a veterinary professional we need your help every year doing our prevalence surveys it takes no time but we need your help and if you're a pet owner or just love pets we have surveys that we launched uh, launched throughout the year so definitely go and sign up and we love your help because again this is grassroots we're just doing this because we love animals so much fantastic and you've got a lot of really great articles on there too it's a really great site so much thank you so much dr ernie ward for coming on today's show Wow, thank you. And stick around, folks, because we've got some tools, some really great innovative tech that'll actually help you with feeding your pets and helping them get thinner and healthier. Stick around. That's what's coming up next on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. We are on the floor at BNX. Actually, we're not on the floor. We have come off the floor because it's so down, darn loud down there on the floor. But I'm really excited. I invited up to the press room. Eric Schreiber, he is the Director of Marketing for Portion Pro RX, and we've been talking a lot uh, about obesity here on the show, and so I thought this is a perfect opportunity to talk about a really great product that is helping us fight obesity in the uh, in our world. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. So, so let's just describe this, this uh, contraption, this feeding uh, machine that you guys have created first so that people have an idea. We are on radio, so give us a visual. Sure, sure. Well, it is a first of its kind uh, therapeutic feeding device uh, available from veterinarians only mm-hmm. that's really designed to uh, address the feeding challenges in a multi-pet home oh. and we know how crazy yeah. that can be how stressful how chaotic it is uh, particularly if you're uh, busy uh, with your careers mm-hmm. uh, maybe have kids and now you've got pet pets as well right and the schedules and the chaos of trying to feed multiple pets their individual needs uh, throughout the day get to become really, really challenging. And so the Portion Pro RX was designed specifically to address those fundamental feeding challenges that occur in a multi So is it a single device that feeds all the animals at once or are the individual devices for each animal? Yeah, you know, they're in an ideal uh, scenario, mm-hmm. every pet in the home would have their own Portion Pro RX. It's right. really designed to, uh, to feed 
uh, a specific pet, mm-hmm. uh, their nutritional needs, while also denying other pets from being able to access that food. And that's one of the biggest uh, problems in the multi-pet yeah. home is food <laughs> yeah. stealing, food yeah. stealing behavior. Uh, we, have this, we have four fur kids, so we actually absolutely deal with, well, but how do, you, how do you deny? I mean, our Boston Terrier likes to go and sneak, get that cat food. She loves it so much. How, how are you going to deny Penny getting the nibbles from Houdini and Taz? That's where the magic of this technology comes okay, in. It tell. is proprietary RFID technology, oh. active RFID technology that uh, enables you to pair uh, a tag that the pet wears mm. with the feeder, uh, and that tag allows them access to that feeder. The do- a, a door covers the bowl, and that mm-hmm. bowl door uh, opens when the allowed pet approaches the feeder, allowing them access. So to this the is like food. NFC technology that's being used, or is it, a, it or is it more akin to what they have in like a microchip? No, it's not a microchip. It's a, it's an active system, so it's it's battery a, powered. It's battery powered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's putting out a signal. Uh, the feeder is also putting out a signal, and they magnetically couple in the air, oh, so awesome. that as the pet approaches, the allowed pet approaches within 24 inches, it's picking that signal up and reacting. The door opens, allowing access. So they'll to be the able food. to smell it and everything like that. Exactly. And then it will dole out just the amount of food that they're supposed to have. Exactly, and that's completely programmable by the pet parent, either on their own or at the recommendation of the veterinarian. Let's say the veterinarian has prescribed a weight loss program for mm-hmm. an obese or over- overweight pet. Right. Uh, they can put in the total daily food volume for that pet, the number of meals to be delivered for that pet uh, throughout the day, and the times of those meals. And once it's set, the device takes over and automatically divides the total daily volume into the individual number of meals and delivers them at the times that were programmed. Okay, so this is the question I was, so I actually, I actually have a colleague that I work with that she came home with this, she called it the biggest loser for cats, but it's basically this, this set of instructions, the very overwhelming, it's just, I have to feed her five times a day, it has to be at least this much time between each feeding, I can't feed her more than this, and yet this is a cat who's used to free feeding all day long, this is going to be terrible. So this is the type of product that would be perfect for her. Absolutely. I mean, it, it literally takes the guesswork out of feeding your pets. It takes the chaos and stress out of it. It, it, it essentially removes the pet parent from feeding their pet. The, the pet is, is trained on, on, on their parents, their, the pet parent, as mm-hmm. the source of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's begging behavior. And that what, that's what often leads to pets becoming overweight in the first place. Uh, you know, food is love, right? right. So we, we all overfeed. This takes the pet parent out of the equation in a lot of ways. It takes over for them, takes the burden of having to uh, initiate and, and, and adhere to a prescribed weight loss plan. It does it for it. You program it, you set it up, and it delivers the food automatically. And does this work equally well for you know like big dogs that need like cups and cups of food a day, and smaller dogs that maybe only only get a cup over the course of a day? I mean, sure. It's been designed to feed as little as one half cup of food per day, mm-hmm. all the way up to six cups per day. So we can feed lots of a wide range of mm-hmm. animals, uh, both dogs and cats, uh, and we can take that half cup and divide it into six equal meals mm-hmm. delivered over a 24-hour period. So we can actually deliver as as small as one sixth of a half a cup of food in a meal, or one twelfth of a cup. Which, which I think actually, for I know a lot of. We even have cats in our house. We have two cats in our house, and one of them is a scarf and barber, right? If the food is there, she will eat all of it in one sitting, and then 10 minutes later, it will be somebody else, somewhere else in the house on the floor. And I think, wow, if you could just do that small little amount, that would be, that would be terrific. So this, this works well for that. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, you know, that's how cats really should be 
be fed and that's how they should eat right is small consistent meals delivered uh, er frequently throughout the day and night so let me give you a scenario that I know is out there just even in my family um, where we have an automatic feeder and it's just easier just to set it up to say I have five days worth of food in here can you feed this over the next five days and then set it and forget it uh, and to me uh, it seems like that could be maybe not the best way to use a tool like this and so but it, does your tool allow you to do that type of thing you basically fill the hopper uh, mm -hmm. it holds about 30 cups of food you set it for the amount of food you want per day the number of meals per day uh, and the times of those meals and the device takes over and, and feeds oh, okay. those meals until you tell it to not feed anymore but does it have any kind of way of knowing I guess where I'm getting at with this is does it have any way of knowing that like the food wasn't eaten on the previous time or it's it's so that so that it's it's fresh all the time is what I guess I'm getting at so like I, I'm gone for five days and the pet sitter I want to make sure that the pet sitter follows this regimen that they're supposed to do is there any kind of technology in there that's saying, hey, this, this food wasn't fed, didn't feed or didn't, didn't get eaten? The, the, there is no technology embedded in this that can tell the pet parent that. However, it's pretty easy to see whether the pet ate the, the food or, or not, not. Yeah. because you visually can tell whether the, the food has been consumed in the bowl. Right, right. Uh, what we also have built into this is we can recognize whether that pet has been at the feeder or not. Oh, that's good. So that, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Exactly. Yeah, like, is there interaction happening or is the cat like, maybe they're coming by and like, oh, that opened and then they walk away and the feeder thinks, oh, okay, that's we're right. done. <laughs> well, through, well, well, through our RFID, we know whether the pet has been at the feeder or not. And if the pet hasn't been at the feeder for more than 16 hours, we send an alert to the pet parent that oh, says, hey, genius. you know what, your, your, your cat didn't go to the feeder yeah. in the last 16 hours. You may want to check on things. It could be that the tag was lost or the cat is locked in a, in a room somewhere or maybe the cat is sick and they're right. not eating. And, and it's I a eat. signal to the pet parent to look and get involved and find out what's going on. I think that's that's like actually, to me, one of the, thing, the, the, the great things that we can do with this technology is help with diagnosing other things or potentially giving us information to take to the veterinarian. Because my cats, um, I think, would maybe eat a little bit and then walk away. But my dogs, if my dogs were using this, I mean, there would be no issue with the food being gone. It would be like, when are you going to have a, more, more giving me more out of there? But with cats, I think in particular, you have that maybe only eat a bite or something and then they walk away. So what do you think... Um, is the major differentiator for you guys and one of these other Bluetooth feeders or other feeders that, that put things out there? Because there are. There are several that are out there. This, what's the differentiator? Is it the veterinary connection that's the big differentiator? There is absolutely nothing else like this in the world. There's no other device that both controls portions mm -hmm. and also prevents food stealing. Yeah. So through our technology, not only are we allowing the, the assigned pet access to their food, we're also able to deny access to that food to all other pets within the home. No other feeder can do that. Right. So we're, we're actually able to prevent food stealing, which is a major, major problem in multi-pet homes and often can lead to obesity because mm -hmm. one pet in the home is getting more than their fair share of food. Mm -hmm. And we all mm -hmm. know that that happens. You've got a fat, fat cat, skinny cat scenario, or you've got a dog that bullies uh, all the other bulls. And what does right. the pet parent have to do? Well, today, they don't have any options, right? They have right. no options. Uh, they have to either uh, guard the bulls themselves. Right. They either have to separate their pets Right? right. Many times we hear that uh, cat owners have to feed, uh, uh, owners of multi-species have to put, feed the cat up on the kitchen counter so that the dog doesn't get, that's a major inconvenience. Right. 
Oh, we have well, a whole separate room for our cats. Well, see. With like a gate and everything. And, and, yeah. and you're not alone. Well, now we solve that problem beautifully because you can feed the cat on the floor. Yeah. They've got their own feeder designated yeah. to feed just that cat. And if the dog tries to approach to steal, the door closes. They the can't get it. They can't get to it. So if I was a pet parent, I've, you know, I've got four fur kids here. So what, what would I be looking at as far as my out-of-pocket to purchase four feeders or even... I'm thinking of two two animals that need to have their food guarded. What would my cost be? So these are $289 mm-hmm. to the pet parent. They're available only from your veterinarian because the veterinarian is really in the best position to identify the pets that can benefit the most mm-hmm. from this. It's a it is it is a therapeutic feeding device. This is not a convenience feeder. This is not right. an automated feeder. This is not a feeder that you would necessarily buy because you want to go on vacation and right. feed and, your, your pets. Right. It absolutely can deliver on all of those, but at the end of the day, this is a device that's designed to intervene in those really tough me- uh, medical conditions that are related to food, obesity, food stealing, and, and so forth. And so at, at $289, that's per, per feeder, comes with one tag. And in many cases, you can actually solve feeding challenges in a multi-pet home with just one feeder. For oh, example, right. let's say your dog is stealing from the cat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you buy a feeder for the cat. Right. And you put the tag on the cat. And then you put a deny tag on the dog. And now you've, you, you can now feed the cat on the floor. And the dog is prevented. And so you've, you're now able to uh, precisely feed that cat and also prevent the food stealing behavior of the dog. Let me ask you this, because you just brought up something I didn't even think of before. And, and it just So the cats in our household are notorious for ripping off their collars. So what do you, what, what's your response to people saying, oh, my cat doesn't wear a collar, or my cat refuses to wear a collar? What, do you have a solution there? Or is it more about denying it from the dog? Right. So many uh, cats, most cats, in, in fact, in our field trials, um, acclimated very well to a collar. But we do know that some cats just simply will not wear a collar. Right, right. now, our technology is is a, is a wearable, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and that's the way you ensure optimal interaction between the pet and the and, and the device. Right. Um, uh, there there is a setting that you can uh, set the feeder on where the door is always open unless the denied pet approaches, and then it will close. And in that situation, the allowed pet doesn't need to wear the tag. Right. And that, so, that would be, I think, what would happen in our household, because we've got the Boston Terrier who will eat everybody's food. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you've thought about that, because actually, before you just mentioned it, I wouldn't have thought about that at all. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with us, Eric. Really thank, appreciate it. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Stick around, folks. We've got more really great stuff to talk about to help your pets fight the bulge and that's coming up next on pet lover geek on voice america become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business.
Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. We're talking about pet obesity. And something that almost all of our guests have mentioned is it's not only about the food, it's also about the movement. It's about exercising and getting out there and get those pets moving to help them take off the weight. And once they're at their ideal weight, keep it nice and healthy and maintained. So for our last guest, we are going to be talking to the founder of Pet Zen Products and Dog Tread, Krista Wickens, who's going to talk to us about exactly that exercising our dogs. Welcome to the show, Krista. So excited to have you on. Hi, Lorian. Thank you so much for having me. My favorite subject. I want to talk first. Let's talk about dog tread uh, and, and, and pets in and what that's all about. How did, why did you start that? Oh, gosh. Um, so there's a, a, a short answer and a long answer to this. <laughs> and you choose. We have a, a little bit of time. I'll, I'll stick with this short one. Um, but basically, uh, I was working for a, a human fitness company and had many years behind it as, in product development. And we, you know, we know that physical activity is closely linked with the health and well-being for us. Mm-hmm. And as a busy professional, I was also seeing that with my dog. I was spending more hours at work. My dog was seeing less time uh, being active. And so, um, you know, these same issues uh, in humans are the same with our dogs, and we started looking at ways to make physical physical activity accessible and feasible for all dog owners. Mm-hmm. And that meant by eliminating barriers like time, weather, proximity to open space, or maybe even physical limitations that someone might have. And we wanted to give them a tool that helped supported help to support the regular physical activity routine that dogs really need. Mm-hmm. And so that really was the, the premise of why we wanted to create Dog Tread. But key to that project was ensuring that we had the right behavioral and environmental support for the product that we were producing that met the dog's need, not the human need. Right. And so, t- so essentially, it's a dog treadmill. Y- you talk about, you know, you just mentioned there, you said something to the effect of what their, na- their natural movement needs are. And so talk about how dog tread, this dog treadmill helps do that. Right. So, you know, I had access at that time to a lot of human treadmills that we were working with, and I would put my dog on it. But I noticed that her movement was much different on a human treadmill than it was outside. And mm-hmm. so that 
um, helped us look at, you know, how the dog was moving and trying to develop a, a product that, that promoted that natural movement versus something that would restrict your movement. So we looked at uh, eliminating the overhead console. We dropped the sides so there was no cage to hold them in. And that really opened up the movement and made it more natural for her. And, and you know, I'd like to say that I think that, that she enjoyed it a lot more. And then the result of that was, um, you know, we got it out to the mass market. And the response that we received was that the dogs were acclimating to it a lot faster than some of the experiences they had had in the past with other treadmills. Yeah. And, and so let's talk about that. I mean, like, I, I think some people are going to be saying, well, why don't you just go take your dog for a walk? I mean, why, why invest in a dog treadmill? And, that, and so let's start there. Like, why invest in something like this for pet exercise? You know, and it's such a great question. And, you know, I don't know that it's an investment that everyone needs to make. But when you find yourself running short on time and you're not able to keep with a routine, and dogs definitely need a routine for physical activity just like we do, then then looking for tools that help support that regular routine like a treadmill can help because sometimes we get up early in the morning. We don't have time to go out and take our dog for a long run, or maybe it's not safe on the street that we're on. Mm-hmm. Maybe the weather is not good. So in in those types of situations, the treadmill is a great supplement to the outdoor outside walk. And by all means, I think you need to have both um, mm-hmm. in your schedule to, to you know, kind of, you know, reach that behavior, um, sniffing, smelling, uh, you know, activity that they need to do that they don't get on the treadmill and vice versa. That, you know, sniff garden walk um, doesn't give them the intensity of a cardio uh, workout like a treadmill would where it keeps it more consistent. So the two really do play nicely together. Yeah, and, and that, that cardio workout is kind of key when we're talking about dogs that are a little bit chubby and are looking to <laughs> lose weight, uh, which is what the whole thing today is about, is it really is important that they're not just getting, you know, the leisurely walk, but they're actually getting something that's getting their heart rate up and to help them actually be able to burn off those calories. Exactly. You have to have that um, elevated intensity in order to um, have the calorie burn, right, or the, the calories to, to, to go away. And that combined with a smart diet um, is the best way to manage um, weight in any platform, whether it's for people or dogs or whatever the, the species is, really depends on both of those things working hand in hand. Right. Now, is it hard to get a dog to want to do the treadmill thing? I think that one of my dogs would be like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. You put a treat in front of me, I'll do whatever you want. And the other one would probably be like, uh, no way. <laughs> How do you train them? <laughs> well, there's a, you know, I think every dog is a little bit different. Um, but basically, we use, in the initial stages, we will use positive reinforcement, such as uh, a treat or a toy. Some are more toy motivated, so you'll use that. Um, get the dog excited about being on and near the machine with it turned off. And once they have acclimated to the treadmill off, then you'll start slowly the sessions um, with the dog on the treadmill. And I always recommend that, you know, you have a, a leash and collar, preferably a collar that's wider um, so it's not going to um, hurt their neck. Um, a, a harness, a really nice harness um, mm-hmm. can help also support that activity. But we don't um, tell. We don't want the, you to tie the dog to the treadmill. 
Um, that's an old school style of training where they would force dogs to learn to walk on the treadmill by tying them to it. And we that's not how our training program works. We want the dog to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And we have found that in most situations, given the time to acclimate to the treadmill, because it's so quiet, because it's such a natural bonding situation between the owner and the dog, that they they will take to the treadmill fairly quickly. There are some instances where they're not, and that's where our expertise comes in, and we help guide our um, dog treadmill owners into how to do it um, in a way that might work for their dog. Right. So now, let's say that some people are like, okay, I don't, I don't want to get a whole treadmill, but my dog, but I want to find different ways to exercise my dog, uh, other than just always going outside. Perhaps it's a weather thing, like you say, or maybe they live in an apartment or that kind of thing. What other types of exercise? options can people bring in for working with their dogs that'll help burn those calories? So I think there's two things. I think there's the burning the calories, as you mentioned, um, from an obesity side, we really have to start paying attention to our dogs um, more and how we're feeding them and the activity that they're getting. So from an inside um, game that could increase uh, the heart rate and um, get them moving more, you could consider stairs. Um, not necessarily running up and down them, but um, taking each stair as it comes slowly can also engage the brain. Hmm. So combining that exercise intensity with a mental aspect of it does um, tire a dog out a lot faster. So stairs are a great way to do it. Um, I love hide-and-seek games where you can um, hide treats around the house. Uh, you, you can build obstacle courses with different items in your house. Um, there's also a number of products out there on the market from a balance perspective uh, that can be used in the house as well. So when you can get outside, there are many different options to keep that intensity up and to help the dog burn some calories. Yeah, well, we always do fetch with our dogs, but when in the wintertime, when it gets really cold, Mama does not want to go out in 20-degree weather <laughs> and throw around the ball. <laughs> so definitely. Can you talk a little bit more about those balance? Because I've got an older dog who's getting maybe a little bit more wobbly, and she certainly has um, some hip issues. Like, How do those work? How, how do the balance things work for dogs? So as a dog ages, or even if a dog is not getting enough um, physical activity uh, strengthening, um, the muscles start to atrophy. And when they start to atrophy, they don't hold that strength, and that's where you'll start to see some wobbling. Um, the balance-type products will help to engage the muscle, and you can have the dog on it and, and hold that in an isometric pose, and that really helps to start to build some strength in those muscles. And then by adding additional-type um, uh, exercises, sit to stands, downs, on that balance equipment, Uh, causes them to engage those muscles and thereby building some more strength. So really good for our senior dogs and um, also great for dogs who are involved in a lot of sport. Yeah, it it reminds me of the BOSU ball stuff that my trainer has me do, trying to help me build my core and things like that. They look very similar to those. It is, and you can actually use the BOSU for the dogs. Um, Great, great tool, uh, you know, to play games around. You can elevate the front limbs and do... Um, you know, rear limbs stepping around it or vice versa or get the dog to sit and stand on it. It really, um, because of the unstable surface, makes them think a little bit. So they have to think, oh, what's going on here? And at the same time, their body's reacting to it. 
So, you know, we can tell uh, someone to pick up a weight and do a bicep curl for a dog. You can't tell them to do that, but by getting on that equipment and engaging those muscles, it has a similar effect. Awesome. So can tell people how they can learn more about what you guys do over there at PetZen. So you can visit us at dogtread.com, D-O-G-T-R-E-A-D.com. And uh, we're getting ready to put uh, more exercises and activities up online. So look for that coming. And, um, uh, you know, we're a small company. We enjoy interacting with our customers. So they can also call us directly uh, to to get any uh, questions answered. If they're concerned about the treadmill, want to know more about the treadmill, that's what we're there for. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Krista. Thank you, Lorian. All right, pet lovers, I hope you've got some really great useful tips and advice today about how to prevent, identify, and treat obesity in pets and keep those puppies and those kitties healthy for long, long lives. I want to take a moment to thank the other guests in the show, Dr. Deborah Linder from Tufts Obesity Clinic for Animals, Dr. Ernie Ward from the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, and Eric Schreiber, who talked to us about the Portion Pro RX, and of course, Krista Wickens, who just talked to you from Dog Tread. Thank everybody so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. Until next time, Pet Lover Geek on Voice America. Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host, Lori and Clemens, for another edition on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.